where it's an hour ahead. It's 4.04 in Knoxville. Vince Ferrara, 99.1 The Sports Animal, standing by. You know things are not good whenever Vinny, Tennessee leaves or leaves the tournament, loses in the tournament, however you want to put it, and Vince packs up his bags and heads back home. That's when you know, but, you know, he had baseball duties. Bigger bigger right now, bigger name on line one, possibly, Vince? Possibly, maybe. Vinny, what's going on? <laughs> well, the fours are wild. So, like, apparently you're you're doing clock, uh, clocks and traffic on the fours, uh, bringing me on. <laughs> and, then, and then it's 4-0-4. The seeds of the two Tennessee basketball teams were both fours for Ooh, their respective tournaments. Nice. So, Look at you. Look what you did. Uh, what did you make of, first of all, let's just start here. What did you make of Tennessee and, and how they played and, you know, losing to Missouri twice this season? Uh, I really thought after the buzzer beater in Knoxville, that this team would find a way to dig deep. I will say this, and I know we've spent a lot of time today talking about Vanderbilt on this show and start off first segment talking a lot about Alabama and Texas A&M, my thoughts, seeing them up close and personal. I didn't touch much on Missouri. I also really like them. I think of Missouri, if they can get – they're a team that could get hot and really mess people's brackets up. Yeah, I agree with that. And here's the thing. I've seen them in person twice, and they've made 28 three-pointers in the two games I've seen them in person. <laughs> I mean, if you're trying to figure out a, a way to advance in the NCAA tournament – or in any tournament, making that many threes, you're going to beat people. And those are some of the teams that either pull up sets or advance is if you hit your threes, and that's the recipe for some teams that win the national championship is higher percentage of threes. Can you defend? Can you shoot threes? Are you efficient offensively and defensively? And, um, and look, Missouri – defensively isn't going to cover those bases, but man, they can shoot lights out. And then when you shoot that way, it it overcomes some mistakes. I I think I told you guys this last week, Missouri did not lose a game when they scored in the seventies or above all season. And they still have it. Um, So Tennessee had to keep them sub 70 and they had a shot to do that at the half when they got another buzzer beer this time from Jemai Meshack. So they did it back to Mizzou only they did it at halftime. And, but in the second half, whether Tennessee wore down the Zakai Ziegler factor coming into play or see both the uh, Missouri hit seven of 12, three pointers in the second half, both of them finished 10 of 26, but Tennessee isn't good enough in the other things to where they can just break even or lose the three-point shooting. That has to be to their advantage. And a big part of that is holding teams down in three-point shooting percentage, which typically are all most of the season they have done, except for a couple of games where it's exploded against them. And Missouri's happened to do it twice. Um, also, when you combine that, you have Kobe Brown inside, who was Tennessee just did not have an answer to. And that is another issue that Tennessee has is they don't have that low post scoring. 
Mizzou has something they can do other than the three-point shooting. Tennessee can create some from time to time. It's just the consistency isn't there, and they don't have one stud go-to. Mizzou did have that, and um, and there's the guy Ziegler factor reared its ugly head again, just like it did in the Auburn game. What is the uh, – let's see, how do I put this? What's the confidence <laughs> level in your market on the – this team, I have to believe there's actually not much pressure on this Tennessee team. Even though they're a four seed, I just, uh, the way they've played down the stretch, not having Ziegler, I just kind of feel like probably everybody's going, yeah, maybe they'll get a game. Maybe if they're lucky, they'll get two. Is that kind of the sentiment in your market, or what What are they saying? I I guess it would fall in that category, but the way I would answer it is the confidence level in the basketball team is that spring practice starts March 20th. Oh. oh. I mean, uh, ow, ouch. ouch. Not, so you're taking calls on the spring game is what you're doing right now. <laughs> um, well, I, I, people are asking about spring practice, yes. I think it's not like no one is talking about them, but your question was the confidence level, right? It's not apathy, it's confidence level. And I think a couple of things have happened. One, there was the Barnes narrative. He's 25 and 26 in the NCAA tournament. This will be now his 27th appearance in the NCAA tournament. And so there's that that's naturally there for a percentage of the fan base. It's not the majority, but for a percentage of the fan base until he succeeds in the tournament, that's not going away. Then you, you shorten or lower the ceiling for this team when you lose the Kai Ziegler. And I think people are well aware of his importance. So now I think that took some air out of the balloon for their hopes for the NCAA tournament. Then the brackets came out, and then you see Duke as a potential second-round opponent. And I think that's where fans are like, we're done because of the way they're playing right now as good as anybody. So I, I think you keep stacking reasons why you don't have a whole lot of confidence in this team making a tournament run. Now, which is more likely, a Sweet 16 or a first round exit, probably pretty close. I think, I think maybe there more people are making a case for Louisiana pulling the upset over Tennessee than maybe people advancing Tennessee into the Sweet 16. I don't know how those brackets are, but based on some of the analysts we heard last night, a number of people liked that Louisiana. Uh, upset 13-4. That is unfortunately going to be an upset special for a lot of people. Yeah. And and, and you got to go with one, typically, on average, about one. Just you got to pick the right one or else you're screwing yourself up in two places. But, yeah, that's one that, that, that people like. And uh, so I, I, beyond that, with all those reasons, I don't think people are buying into it. Are fans hopeful? Are fans not? are giving up. No, I don't think so. But in terms of the people you hear from, in terms of the buzz generated by those that are more vocal, typically one way or the other, I, I do think that there is not a whole lot of juice right now 
uh, for a team going into the NCAA tournament. And um, they'd have to play a lot different and more consistent than we've seen. So things are going to have to change for uh, for anyone to believe any different. And um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll start to find out on Thursday, I guess. So you talk to a lot of the players here in Nashville. So what, what are the players saying? What What is their mindset? Well, they admit that they're still trying to figure things out and how to best play without Zakai Ziegler without using that as an excuse. And uh, they're saying, hey, we made mental errors. We had breakdowns. Can't do that. Um, that's on us, not on on the opponent. Yeah, they're a good team, but we just got to we got to clean those things up, and we'll be fine. So they're talking like, "Hey, we got to look in the mirror and get better." It's not that we can't do this without Zakai, or we can't do this. You talk to the coaches, and I've talked to a number of the assistant coaches, Justin Ganey and Greg Polinski, and both of them mention how they're still a work in progress and trying to figure out how to play without the guy. And that is, they have to say that, but they said it's not an excuse. It's a reality. And that is true because if you were to say otherwise, I wouldn't believe you. They are still trying to figure it out, whether they can do it or not. That's the debate, but they're still trying to figure out how to best play. You know, coach Barnes would talk about, you know, execution and, you know, we we got to be smarter. We can't have defensive breakdowns and 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 some of those kind of things. But I, I do think there there are a number of things they need to do, including be better in the post, not give up those drives, be better in the post defensively in addition to offensively. Um, and um, and and I think they got to find a way to not be as fatigued at the end of ball games because they miss the Kai Ziegler at the end of those games. And so that that was big topic of conversation was how to figuring things out without Zakai Ziegler being better defensively, and then another thing that I've brought up to all the coaches that I've talked to and even some players, is somebody's got to be willing to drive to the basket. Zakai Ziegler was the one most willing to do that, but right now you saw it a couple of times against Missouri and they were successful. So you you have to make good decisions there. You can't just go to go. But you have to have you have to go with conviction and trying to score and then be successful at it. That's going to lose. That's what's going to loosen things up for you on the perimeter when everybody's extended on your guards and making Santiago Vescovi work. Josiah Jordan James admitted today when we talked to him that he's the guy that gets game plan the most. I mean, people are denying him the ball and doubling him and switching off of him. I mean, he has to grind so much on both ends. He is just spent after ball games even though he's in tremendous shape uh it's it, so the, they they have to elevate their play but get being willing and able to drive all the way to the rim not drive the dish but drive to score as a threat that would would unlock a number of things for this team offensively Vince how do you feel and, and Darren and I have obviously been talking a lot today about uh Vanderbilt's uh being left out, shall we say, of the NCAA tournament. How do you feel about the seeding this year uh, based on what happened in the conference versus what happened outside of the conference, it would seem? 
Well, I was going to mention it before, and since you brought it up, I think Vanderbilt should be in the NCAA tournament. I, I'm, I understand there's the non-conference schedule, and A&M is in that category too where you know, they, they weren't challenging non-conference. And look, you, you're going to have some bad losses, but it's similar to, to a football way of viewing it. I'm more about who you be than the, the way and who you lost to. Is that a tie-breaking factor? Yeah, it could be. If, if two teams have similar wins and then another team's losses are worse than the other, I'll give you that. But when you're, you're giving someone an advantage in who they lost to versus what another team did against their best competition, which was in conference where they had a, a lot of good wins, quad one wins, more than a number of those other teams that got in, uh, that, that, and I know you guys have talked about this, but I feel that way that, that that's the direction I would go. As far as everybody else in the league, you know, I thought Texas A&M was given a short stick in terms of their seeding them as a seven and then they draw Penn state who also was in their conference championship game. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's difficult. Um, As far as everybody else, I I think Tennessee, you could argue was maybe given a bump up of a, of a row, a seed. And the reason why I thought there might be a chance they might put them on the five line is if they viewed them moving forward without Zakai Ziegler but I wonder because there's so many teams that are dealing with injuries, Jalen Clark at, at UCLA, who honestly, that would have been my national championship pick if he was there. But yeah, that yeah. really takes, I mean, he's one of the best defenders in the country mm-hmm. and that, that hurts them. Um, so and other teams are missing some key players. So I wonder if they're like, all right, we can't just like move every, all these teams down a line like they supposedly do in football and taking that into consideration. Uh, heck, they did it with Tennessee without Hendon Hooker. Uh, they they did it based on what you accomplished. So Tennessee was probably right right about where they deserve to be based on that. But in the reality of it, I, I don't know that everybody has that kind of confidence in them. Alabama's the number one overall. I think that's that's where they should be. Every everybody else, I think, within the league was fair and uh, and accurate. It, a and M was probably, and then Vandy being left out. Those were the the two most noteworthy to me. How do you not change your schedule after experiencing something like this? How do you not schedule cupcake teams and and, and front load your schedule with easy wins as a result of something like this? Well, you mean change it because A and M had a horrific non conference schedule. They won games and. We're second in the league and got to the conference championship tournament hmm. and on the strength of their of the games they won in conference and then they weren't really rewarded for it in the end. They were never high in the net. They were never high in the rankings, which doesn't matter. And they got a lower seed than they're probably deserving of as a seven. Um, they should be on a higher line than Kentucky. Hmm. <laughs> um, so I I, I I, I think they might need to reconsider how they scheduled. And then Vanderbilt as well. Vanderbilt, a lot of their wins came in conference once they got hot. But yeah. the non-conference is some of the things that's pointed to. So there are a couple examples of you need to beef up your pre-conference. And you know who had a great pre-conference schedule? Tennessee. And they won a fair share of those. Look at the one-two lines in your bracket. 
And yeah. tell me how many games Tennessee lost against the one and two seeds in the NCAA tournament. Zero. All wins. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, the, the, well, the, the actually the, the one exception to that is Arizona. So I, that, that's the one. Um, but I mean, it'd be, it'd be Kansas, it'd be Alabama, um, you know, all those teams. It's just frustrating to follow events, you know, to try to understand the rationale. Uh, And I know that we go through this every year, but honestly, it started to feel like football is easier to understand (laughs) than this, which I never, I never thought I would feel this way. Yeah, I don't know about football being easier to understand, Justin. I mean, mm. I think I think uh, maybe you guys are are focusing on it a little bit more because it is Vandy and deservedly so, rightfully so. Mm. Um, I, I I think there's probably some you know, other years where there's you could argue about seating lines and a couple teams getting in and you just get right to it. But I think it's maybe a little bit more localized there and. Look, we'd be doing it if Tennessee was on the outside looking in, and A and M was probably doing it last year when they didn't get in the tournament at all. So uh, it, it might be that, but I think they're. I still think football is a little bit harder to figure out because that that goalpost moves annually. Well, look, I know you're supposed to win these games, but to to what we've been talking about. Vanderbilt should not schedule Memphis. They should not schedule St. Mary's. They should not schedule VCU. They should not schedule Pitt, who they beat. They should not schedule NC State, who they've lost to by four. I mean, the what what did those games those are all tournament teams, by the way. All, all those teams right. I mean St. Mary's is a five C. What what benefit did it do, Vanderbilt? Because if you can turn those into easy wins and they have twenty four wins, twenty five wins. With 13 SEC wins, are you telling me they're out of the tournament? Oh, who cares if they're an 11 seed? They're in. Yeah, but the the key is is you got to get some of those. You got to get some of those wins. I know, like, I know. You got to, and they. I get it. Uh, that, they but the didn't. way they were playing earlier in the year, I mean, I who's to say with a lighter schedule they win those games? They got hot when their schedule picked up in SEC play and granted there are some of those were tournament teams before that. I get it, but I mean, you still got to win those A&M. Look, I mean, A&M is still in the tournament, but they're on a different tier. They still got docked because they didn't have any good wins in pre-conference. So they also scheduled worse, but they didn't have those wins either. Well, however you get them, you still need to get enough of them and get some of them. And so maybe there's a middle ground there for Vandy if they're trying to, you know, to uh, to elevate the schedule in terms of winnable games that still might move the needle. I, I think you don't know how teams are. are I think Vinny, the year. what bothers me is it seems like, look, Chris Reynolds may be a really nice guy, but if that room <laughs> acted like he did in that interview which was embarrassingly bad, that crew doesn't have a clue. That committee doesn't have a clue. Like, there has to be some type of eyeball test. There's no way you can watch Vanderbilt and tell me they're not bad. Look, right now, I take I take Vanderbilt in the NCAA tournament over Auburn. I take them over Mississippi State and Arkansas. I just yeah. would. I Honestly, there's probably I could be talked into taking them over Tennessee. Well, remember, remember when the last ten used to matter, right? Well, right now, and now it doesn't. Yeah, now it doesn't yep. because those teams are going the wrong way. Right. 
That, that's all. I'm just – there's no way you can tell me when you t- put eight teams in the SEC and if you've actually watched them play, there's no way you can tell me they're not one of the eight best teams in the conference today. Today. I, I, Darren, I think it's in football you have more of an opportunity to see everyone, see everything, and break those down. With the volume of games – I'm guessing that some that a lot more of those people are in and out of these games, and what are they doing? They're relying more on the numbers and the resumes and things that are not the eye test. I think there's more of the eye test with football because there are fewer games and they're easier to be able to determine. And then maybe, I don't know what the percentage is, maybe there are more coaches in or former coaches in football to influence the eye test versus in basketball. I, I don't, I didn't look to see the committee, how it broke down this year, but maybe that's a factor. Maybe you have more administrators and they're not relying on the eye test because they're not basketball people. Right. So they are going to rely on the numbers. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. A debate that will continue. Um, sure will. And we'll have no resolution. Vinny, appreciate it as always. You have a, uh, so you're going to Orlando. You're going to be covering this. Yep. Yep, headed down tomorrow, and it will be the Vince Ferrara show in terms of coverage. So it'll be just me. We got remotes <laughs> back here, and so I'll be on the afternoon show a couple of days, hour tomorrow. I'll miss Tennessee baseball tomorrow, and um, we'll be there until this weekend, one way or the other. So we'll see if we if we uh, get to see Tennessee and Duke. I, I would that would be a lot of fun, one way or the other. But yeah, we'll be down there. Coverage at ninety nine one thesportsanimal dot com on my. Uh, on my social media on Twitter as well at Vince Sports. Also, we'll see if we can't uh, maybe check in with you down in the Sunshine State uh, a little bit later in the week. Vinny, appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Good. Vince Ferrara, ninety-nine-one, the Sports Animal there in Knoxville. We'll take a break. Come back.